Broadway Sports Media. I hate Corey Davis. Corey Davis yeah. is going to be awful. He's probably going to be out for the year. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Mr. Lebowski, joined as always by Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon. We have partnered up with 440 Sports, led by Braden Gall, Got lots of good podcasts and content to come your way. We, we, you know, we hope you enjoy this. And, and Zach, I'm pretty excited about this partnership. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's 440, the numbers, sports.com. So 440 Sports, named after the interstate. Got a great little logo. I like it. But 440 Sports is Nashville's only uncensored, on-demand sports audio network. And Braden has founded this. He approached us about the same time we were starting up. Uh, Broadway Sports Media. We thought this was a good partnership. Uh, we really enjoy a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to on this uh, this network. And right now, they have 12 shows. All the shows from Broadway Sports, of course, are on here. And you'll be able to access it all from 440sports.com. But there's also the Gold Standard, which is a pot, uh, Predators podcast. It's got new episodes every week. Fringe Element. Has new, it's the SEC podcast. So if you like your college sports, boom, college sports right there. The fringe element. I believe Braden is hosting that himself. There's a daily podcast called The 440. There's a weekly podcast called Lamestream Sports. That's a really good one. And then they also have Vanderbilt Podcast. So we, this sports network is covering everything in Nashville, even stuff that we can't cover on Broadway sports just yet. So this is a really, good site so you just go to 440sports.com you click shows up at the top and you can subscribe to all 12 podcasts it's a lot of podcasts but this is a lot of nashville sports podcasts targeted for you and our listeners you'll love it it's uncensored great audio quality this is going to be everything that you're looking for in a broadcast network that you can't find anywhere else we are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can read articles by the aforementioned Mike Herndon, John Glennon, many more. Broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go sign up now. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Very tired. I did not sleep well last night. We recorded on a Tuesday morning really early, and uh, I'm trying to uh, get a little upbeat, get a little energy, but it's, it's proven a little difficult. You, you stayed up late uh, getting all excited about Drew Brees and his noodle arm? No, I went to bed, like, after halftime. I, we watched – at halftime, we watched Chopped, went to bed. I just didn't sleep well. I don't <laughs> yeah. even care about the, the Saints and the Raiders game. You can't – I have no fantasy players in it. You can't get me hyped for it. Oh, I was, I was so hyped I for that I enjoyed that game. I thought that was fun. Yeah, it was a great game. It was so good. I started playing video games in the first quarter. So, um, but yeah, I watched some highlights <laughs> last night. I just wasn't interested. I don't know. I just didn't. Monday night football, ESPN's Monday night football. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is their production right now is just not very good. And I'm, yeah, I'm trying to have some leniency because I know things are weird, but they're the worst out of the out of the group right now. Sunday night football is doing okay. The the Sunday games, CBS and them are still doing a great job. But Monday night football's broadcast just seems thrown together. Yeah, it's it, it it's does weird, seem kind of messy. It's yeah, it's a little messy. Um, uh, speaking of messy, Titans defense they are two and zero. Oh, but we're going to kind of get into all that, and that's exactly where I'm going to start. 
Um, Titans defense doing a lot of sputtering around, and I'll just throw out a couple of stats here. Um, they allowed 165 yards on the ground, 335 in the air, 480 yards total from Jacksonville. Jacksonville controlled the clock at 33 minutes um, and converted 10 of 14 first downs. Um, bend and not break in the first half turned into completely shattered by the Titans defense in the second half. Let's kind of start there with you, Mike. Um, A, are you concerned about what you saw on the field from the defense going forward? And B, what is happening? Um, I don't know how you could not be at least somewhat concerned by um, a performance like that. I mean, especially the second half, it was just, the Jaguars seemed to have the ability to get whatever they wanted at any time they wanted. Um, and, and the Titans were really hopeless on third down for the entire game. It, it almost, the third down stuff almost reminded me of that horrible Ravens game uh, a couple years ago where the Ravens went something ridiculous, like 14 of 18 on third downs uh, for the game. Um, and the Titans defense just could not get off the field. Obviously, you know, the offense carries you to a win. So it's nice that the team can win a game like this when you got a, you know, just third down apocalypse happening on the defensive side of the ball. But um, yeah, you've got to be a little bit concerned. I I think we we can get into it a little bit, but uh, there's a lot of parts of this. And one part of it is I think Jacksonville is actually a little bit better than we've given them credit for uh, heading into the season. I think Gardner Minshew's actually a good quarterback. I think Jay Gruden's a good play caller. I think they've got some good weapons in DJ Shark and Keelan Cole's okay. Um, but then I think LaVisca Chenault's going to be a good player. He was he was pretty good Sunday again. Um, I, I think Jacksonville's got some stuff on offense. So I, I don't know that it's going to look – quite as bad when we look back on the season if Jacksonville's offense continues to play like this um but yeah certainly certainly some concerns certainly some eyebrows raised when anytime you give up almost 500 yards and and 30 points um to an offense yeah I I definitely agree I I think the problem is that we're just tired like like Mike said, we don't we're not getting off the field, but we also don't have the depth or, pe- or rotational pieces that we need to keep people fresh. So it's kind of tough. We're in a tough situation. Uh, hopefully that gets fixed this week because I think we definitely are going to need uh, as many depth pieces on defense as possible when we go to face Minnesota. Um, Definitely Jacksonville is a lot better than what people think. I mean, people think that they were tanking, and I, I kind of warned about it last week. I didn't see a team that was looking at tank that was looking like they were going to tank, and they came in with the game plan, and it was working. And I think that for the most part, this is a team that can compete. I mean, if they swept the Colts, I wouldn't be that surprised. If they split with the Texans and split with us, I wouldn't be that surprised when it comes to the AFC South. And here's the thing, though. Our defense can only get better, right? It, it, it can get worse. I mean, barring injuries, of course, and catastrophic injuries can happen. We saw it. We mainly got away scot-free this past weekend in the massacre that was the NFL and your fantasy teams, I'm sure. Um, but uh, sure, a catastrophic injury can happen, but we're missing a Dory Jackson. We're missing Vic Beasley. We're missing Derek Roberson. It doesn't seem 
you wouldn't think those names as a whole, as a collective, I mean, obviously Dory Jackson's good, but you wouldn't really think that Roberson and Vic Beasley are desperately needed. But when you're rolling out three offensive line or Gosh, I've been doing that all weekend, offensive linebackers. When you roll out three outside linebackers, you have to figure out why not call up Wyatt Ray at some point. I mean, just to have a body that can just fill in for a play or two and give these guys up. I mean, Harold Landry had, what, three plays off the whole time? It, it's kind of a little – yeah. it's, it's, it's bordering – it, it works. We're 2-0, and right? So you can't complain too much. But it's bordering a line playing with fire, right? Just rolling out with three outside linebackers. And, you know, this defense is, is fine. I'm not pulling the alarm or anything. I just think that we can make better decisions. I, I would agree with that. And, and on the fatigue front, I, I think – the NFL schedule makers didn't do the Titans a ton of favors here in these first two weeks at Denver, of course, is a really place, really tough place to start the season, but making it a Monday night game that literally was played in the middle of the night. Um, the players didn't get home and not to make a bunch of excuses. He's got your professionals. Um, you know, you got to deal with it, but I mean, they got home at like five or 6 AM, I think Tuesday morning, and then had essentially five days to prepare for Jacksonville um, after coming out of the altitude where, you know, your, your body's ability to deal with fatigue is hampered. Um, so it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with those first couple of weeks. I think that might've been some of the fatigue stuff we saw, especially in the second half where the Titans just defensively looked like they were out of gas. Um, the injuries being kind of concentrated in two positions right now sucks for them because you're right, outside linebacker, they're super thin. Uh, they are running Landry and Clowney into the ground, and Clowney barely got any time to prepare uh, for the season. Um, you know, his own choosing, but still. And then cornerback, uh, you know, you were without a Dory Jackson, and then Jonathan Joseph, who'd actually been really good uh, the first couple weeks, goes down in the second half, and, I, and the, the dam kind of broke. Uh, when Jackson went out, I felt like it, it or not, not Jackson, not Joseph, uh, in that second half. And then all of a sudden you're out there, you've got a banged up Malcolm Butler, who was a game time decision, two rookies and Ty Smith as your cornerback option. I, I just, it, it, there's not a whole lot of defensive coordinators. I know a lot Mike Vrabel is getting a lot of heat this week about it. There's not a whole lot of defensive coordinators that are going to make that group look good. Uh, in the back end, especially with a gas pass rush and and everything else that was going on Sunday. I just think it was kind of a worst-case scenario of a bunch of things coming together, and they get healthy. They start to get into a more normal rotation. I think you'll see a lot better defensive efforts moving forward. Well, and people think you can just interchange pieces on a week-to-week basis and just take a bunch – go sign a bunch of guys off the street for one week, put them on the defense, and when the other guys are healthy, bring them back. I mean, Dory Jackson's coming back soon. I mean, we can't go around blowing up our roster and spending tons of money on players that are only going to play for like a week or two. And then they got to learn the system. Well, like, and Madden, it works great. Zach. Yeah, Madden, it works great. <laughs> Fantasy football, waiver wires, awesome. Not in real life. You just can't do that. So they got to work with what they have, whether it's on the practice squad. Now, if there was a long-term injury, it's way different. But none of these are long-term injuries. None of these are long-term issues. So relax and just let's wait and see what this defense looks like when we have our, our 
starting cornerback back, and two very probably going to be heavily used uh, rotational pieces. I beg to differ. I once spent uh, fifty-one dollars, uh, fifty-one waiver dollars on uh, Alex Smith, and I uh, regretted the purchase all season. So you all can, you know, just uh, you can take that and shove it because I know what I'm doing. Anyways, no, let's talk about Clowney. Clowney, again, look winded week two. Uh, is there anything to read into there? Is, is that a concern? Yeah, preseason matters because he he skipped pretty – you can say that he was in heavy negotiations, but we all know what he was doing. He was skipping so he wouldn't have to do all the conditioning yeah. stuff, the OTAs, the workouts, the minicamps, all that stuff. Uh, that's coming back to bite him in the ass, especially with this team saying, hey, you know, Derek Roberson, he fully participated this week, but we ain't going to bring him in to give you a break. You got to get in the playing shape, bud. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what's happening here. The guy is clearly, uh, you know, just not in football shape. Um, you know, I actually went back and watched the game a second time, and I thought Clowney was better on second watch than I did on my initial viewing. He, he did get some pressures and things like that. Um, so there's, there's reason for hope there. But, yeah, you, you want to see him play himself into shape and, you know, getting a ton of snaps these first two weeks and then uh, – you know, uh, all the practice reps, because, you know, with these guys being out, he's gotten a lot of practice reps, too. So um, I think they're kind of throwing him into the fire. And, you know, hopefully that pays off uh, by midseason. And you see a guy that's, that's well conditioned and has some depth that can give him actual breaks without taking a whole lot of quality off the field. But I will say, you know, Clowney and then the, the second part I want to go into was Simmons and Landry. Thankfully, Clowney had a play when it mattered to stop a, a Jaguars, the, the second to last Jaguars drive, uh, forcing, you know, pressured Minshew, forcing a punt. Uh, and then Simmons gets a tip and Landry intercepts to, to end the game. So when it ultimately came down to it, the Titans defense did step up and make two crucial plays. Um, so, you know, what can you ask for? And again, if you're just tuning in and listening to this, we don't want you to, we don't want to give you the impression that we're like, ballyhooing a win 2-0 and is 2-0 and but you know I mean for the entire game most Titans fans probably had the reaction that we did which was what is this defense doing but at the end of the day the the, the struggles that we were seeing on defense can be fixed it, it's not, I don't think we're too I don't think you're looking at 2-0 and thinking there's we just have massive problems across the board this can't be fixed these problems can be fixed and and Zach to your point you know not a lot of coaches out there that could have done with what the personnel that was on the field um I want to shift to the run game um Henry struggled he struggled more this week than he did last week 3.4 yards a carry 84 total yards on 25 carries um failed to convert on a third and one on a pitch left that's where I want to start oddly enough why call a pitch left why call a pitch to uh, to Henry. Well, you want to go left because that's your strongest way. I don't know if I agree with the pitch part. I, I think yeah. Henry played better himself in a vacuum. Henry played better in this game than he did in, in the Denver game. Now, it doesn't show that way on the stat sheet, of course, but I, I think he played better as far as he was running a little bit more decisively. He was hitting the hole harder. But you always want to go left because that's where Saffold and Luan are. The pitch, I don't agree with. The problem is, is that they're daring Ryan 
they they everybody watched the playoffs last year, and much like our fans, if you stop Derrick Henry, this team can't move the ball. That's what everybody saw, so that's what everybody's doing. Well, boo on you because we are moving the ball regardless because Ryan Tannehill is legit, and we'll get into it a little bit later. We're talking about Ryan Tannehill and Art Smith. I'm not been I haven't been crazy with our run play calling. It's almost to me, and I'm an amateur. I mean, as far as analyzing game plan and game script. It kind of looks like we're begging people to come stop the run so we can set up the play action. Like, it's the runs don't look that great. The run plays don't look that great. Now, that's a little bit of the offensive line, but whatever. I, I think the biggest thing here, um, and, and let's start, I'll start with the pitch, uh, the pitch play. Um, I, I think they were looking to get an explosive out of that um they were expecting jacksonville to be pinched in trying to stuff a, you know just a straightforward run uh between the tackles and they were hoping they'd catch them inside and be able to hit an explosive it's really what i think arthur smith was going for there obviously it didn't pan out and it might have been a little too cute given the game situation uh that they were in but uh that that i think is the reasoning there but um i, I do think a lot of this is the jaguars and I don't think this was the case in week one. And in week one, I think Denver sat back. They were, they were comfortable playing their safeties deep and letting uh, their defensive line and linebackers handle Henry. The Jaguars did not. The Jaguars run blitz. They brought a ton of people up into the box. They were all over the line of scrimmage. Even uh, Avery Jones, their defensive tackle, had a quote after the game that said, I mean, coming up here, you know what Tennessee is going to do. You know who their bell cow is. It really comes down to a commitment on by every player on this team that's going to say we want to stop the run. I feel like we came out here and tried to accomplish that. And he went on to say that he felt like they were almost too committed to stopping the run, and that's part of why they got torched by Ryan Tannehill. So I, I think it's very much the case of Henry was – Henry was the Jaguars' number one issue for their defense, and they they accomplished what they came they set out to do, but they ended up not being able to win because, you know, that's not all the Titans bring to the table. Mike, let's finish up that uh, that last little piece about Henry because I wanted to interject. This was his long, you know, his longest run was, and I think I have this right. It was about fifteen yards. So, again, I don't necessarily have concerns either. Um, I like what Zach said about that he felt like it was actually a little more comfortable. And, again, I'll throw this back out there. We're still technically watching preseason games. They're like (laughs) – you see some preseason performances that are tied into actual live NFL games. Um, So, you know, he's still trying to get things moving. Henry is still trying to to find that rhythm. And, again, like you said, against a Jags defense that came out to do – they, they had a plan to set out to do it, and they executed that plan. So, you know, that, it is what it is. Yeah, and, and I'll say if, if every team for the rest of the schedule came out and did the same thing that the Jaguars did and tried to take away Henry, sure, Henry's stats would be bad at the end of the season. The Titans would love it because they'd score probably 30 to 40 points a game because Ryan Tannehill would shred them through the air. I mean, it, that's, that is, I think, the better the – better game plan for stopping the Titans as far as keeping them from putting points on the board, I think it's sitting back and doing what the Broncos did and letting Henry get his yardage, um, but keeping those chunk plays in the passing game out of, out of the picture. Um, but I, yeah, I'm not that worried about Henry. I think the offensive line too, 
we've seen it both of the past two years. This team takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of, you know, repping it out in games before they get in that rhythm, get in sync completely in that outside zone scheme. And then once they do and it starts to pop later in the season, they're borderline unstoppable with it. Um, but it takes some time. It's taken some time every year. And, and I don't think it's because Henry is not ready to go when the season starts or that Henry, there's something magical about uh, the colder weather or whatever, as much as I love DeHenber. Um, I, I just think knew it was coming. That's why I started taking some time. I, <laughs> I, I just think it takes some time for these things to click. And I, I think they, they just got to wrap it out over the course of the season. That sucks because, you know, it might not get better right away, but I think by November, December, again, we'll be talking about Derrick Henry rushing for five yards, six yards of carry most games and, you know, dominating. Why, why does it take, this team, because that was the whole thing that we talked about all offseason on Twitter, on podcasts, on articles, continued, continued, that we're bringing back the same players that we, I can't even say what the, the word I want to use, but <laughs> we're bringing back the same <laughs> continuity. And we, this isn't supposed to happen with continuity and coaches and the same coaching, the same offensive line, like. Why does this team have to start slow on the offensive line in the run game and now in the same system when you look at things like um, LaFleur up in Green Bay and Aaron Jones and when you look up at, you know, even the Rams are doing really good starting out. I mean, same offensive schemes and systems. Why this team? Does this team – that relies on the run game for the most part that you, you would have to say still start off slow. I don't, I don't get it. Can you answer that for me, Mike? That's, yeah, a, and, that's and an I, actual question for I you. Wish, <laughs> I, I wish I'm like I a listener. I'm like a, a listener. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a good question. Um, Cause yeah, you're right. This team has started slow running the football for the last three years, every year that they've been running this offense basically. So um you know, I think it's actually – it's better this year than it was last year. That's, that's, that's for sure. Um, and, and I you know, you still have to see, you know, how good is Denver's defense at stopping the run. Um, you know, I think they actually gave up quite a bit to the Steelers, so that's not a great uh, point of data for the Titans. But, um, yeah, I think you, we still need to see how good these teams they're playing right now are in run defense. It's, there's so little that's known out there, but – I mean, I'm I'm not concerned about it just yet. It is frustrating because you want to see him just ripping off these, you know, huge 60-yard runs and demoralizing. Well, and it's not really, really uh, does, but. Henry I want to see. I want to see our offensive line open up some holes and maul some people. I don't yeah. feel like they're the maulers that they were yeah. towards the end of the year. And that's that's – I'm looking at I, – I, I know that Henry didn't play well the first game. But he played well this game. But the offensive line is the problem, in, in my opinion, right now. They're not imposing their will like they have been in past. And like they like to brag about. They like to brag about towards the end of the year how they were bullying everybody and they were the big tough guys. And that's the kind of way they want to uh, handle this offense. They want to bully them. Well, where's the bullies? I don't, I don't see any bullying out there, and that's what I want to see. These Jack, I should have seen Jacksonville Jaguars defenders flying off my screen because they're a bunch of nobodies. I mean, Miles Jack and nobody. Like, where 
and then when Denver had all these uh, defensive players, you know, go down with injury, still not seeing any bullying. Where are the bullies? Yeah, I agree. They need to, they need to they need to figure it out and pick it up a notch. Yeah, uh, in the run blocking, they they are doing a really nice job protecting. Him, I know so. Saffold, you know, likes to uh, you know be on the uh, internet. He may listen to this podcast. I know Compton probably listens to this you know this show as well. And um, you know if they're listening, so, you know, get everybody in the offensive line room and get them to you know play like they like they look. They look like a bunch of Aaron Donalds out there on the offensive line, but they're playing. What did Tiki Barber say about Saquon Barkley? He's a big back but plays like a scat back or something. You know, these are big guys that are playing like Pop Warner offensive linemen, in my opinion. It's time to, it's time to unleash the hounds, unleash the fury. He really is like the only thing he's not hitting Mike with is demanding answers, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen. I mean, it just, he really wants to know Mike's opinion. Let, let's shift a little bit because I do want to get into uh, positives. Like I promised, we were going to get positive this segment, and, and it starts right now. Uh, Tannehill, no regression. I want to go around Nashville and find the people that were screaming regression and bring in Tom Brady and all that because this man is not regressing into anything. Four TDs as a Titans. As, as a Titans player, it's his first 4TD game as a Titan. I had to go back and look that up. I, that didn't sound right, but it is. Uh, it's his first 4TD game since 2015. Finished uh, with a 145.7 QB rating, his highest since November 24th of last year. Um, he's 18-24, and 234, 239, no INTs. Uh, and uh, he's at 70%, 488 yards and six touchdowns through two games. This man hasn't started slow. <laughs> Tannehill is right out of the gate, looking fresh, looking clean and in control, and that is something personally as a Titans fan. I know a lot of Titans fans sorely wanted from a QB at the you know starting at the beginning of the season. Um, what's what's the secret? Is there a secret, or is this just is this man just ready to roll? Yeah, the secret is getting away from Adam Gase. That's the secret. But it's really not a secret when you look on Twitter and look at how many people – I mean, like, what was it, Mike Greenberg was talking about how, oh, offensive genius and all that stuff. He spent like a minute and 50 seconds. I really thought I was watching Lebowski on ESPN over here just trashing Adam Gase when Mike (laughs) Greenberg was doing it. But, I mean, that's the secret. And the secret is is that he found an offense that works for him. He found a – play action offense that is really good and these let me say something that Adam Humphreys touchdown where he just totally cuts on a dime towards the in infield or the middle of the field and gets that touchdown right behind the safety and just the separation he created on that play outstanding Johnny Smith outstanding Corey Davis we, we, he's throwing to a bunch of alphas and he's an alpha himself it's just you see the hard work in the offseason where he spent every day with Janu throwing the ball, through running routes, practicing. You're seeing that come to fruition because they have a great connection. And I, I really do think that, you know, this, this could be a changing of the guard for the Titans franchise as far as how we really want to run an offense. We, we all assume – that they really want to be able to run the ball and run, 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 run. Because that's what everybody says, run the damn ball, run left, all those hats and everything. 
I kind of think that they kind of want to, you know, just do be a play-action pass team. That's what I really think they want to be is a play-action pass team and a screen game team, and those things work in Tannehill's favor. Yeah, I, I think it's – this whole Tannehill thing has been a testament to the importance of fit – supporting cast and coaching to the success of an NFL quarterback. Now I'm not going to say some quarterbacks aren't better than others. And, you know, obviously it's not a plug and play thing. I mean, we saw Marcus Mariota in this exact same system with this exact same supporting cast struggle mightily. Um, But Tannehill fits this offense. Um, John Robinson went out to get him for a reason. I think he knew that he, his skill set would fit. I mean, Tannehill's always had a big, accurate arm that the physical talent has never been in question with him it's always been processing taking too many sacks not staying healthy uh making bad decisions that kind of thing and let's let's talk about the fact that Tannehill started when he came to Texas A&M originally he was a wide receiver um and he played wide receiver for A&M uh the first couple years that's not uh, you know a huge shocking thing everybody kind of knows that but he has not been playing high level quarterback for as long as a lot of these other guys that that had come out so him taking a little bit more time to develop as a quarterback at the NFL level isn't necessarily that surprising when you think about the time that he did not get uh you know training and getting reps as a quarterback early in his college career and, and kind of going back from there so I, I think Tannehill is he's a late bloomer i mean look 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 at what he's done here the stats that that uh gillum just referenced if anyone else had put up those stats over the last year basically they'd be absolutely in the middle of the mvp discussion think about if baker mayfield had done what Tannehill has done over the last year the ESPN, oh, ESPN would, would open up a separate satellite offense to discuss that those stats and baker mayfield had done it <laughs> It would be, yeah, ESPN 3, Baker Mayfield. Um, but no, I mean, Tannehill has been unbelievable. The only people that are still doubting Ryan Tannehill are people that decided he was bad when he was at Miami and just can't come to terms with backing off of that evaluation. Well, you I mean, see that, all the national the analysts changing their tune too. I mean, all the national guys are kind of changing yeah. their tune because they're, they were proven wrong. Now, listen, it's, it's still early. I mean – you, you don't, I mean, but we've seen pretty much when you include playoffs, a full, what, 15 games now? Uh, yeah. So we know yeah. what he is games. in this system. It's not what we know he is yeah. from the Miami system, what we know from his Adam Gase days. That, as we've seen, players that leave Adam Gase are 10 times better than when they were with him. And I think this just comes down to that – We've seen now Ryan Tannehill in almost a full season. You know, one more game, it will be a full season. And we know what we're going to get. We have someone that's confident, someone that's comfortable in this offensive system. I have watched Miami games because I've owned Miami pieces in fantasy football. So I know I've watched some Ryan Tannehill. I've never seen this Ryan Tannehill as far as the personality, the comp, the competitiveness, the the leadership. That's what's I think sets him apart in this system. Sets him apart from Miami Ryan Tannehill is his 
his confidence and his comfortableness in this system, the way that he can lead this team, it's, it's, it's awesome. And he's going to get Art Smith the head coaching job next year, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. So I want to quickly go into that before yeah. we take a break. Dan Orlovsky had tweeted out that Art Smith is going to be a head coach by next season. Listed all these stats. Um, he's first in yards per play, first in red zone percentage, tied for second and third down percentage, third in efficiency, third in yards, fourth in scoring. Quickly, Mike, do you think that Art Smith is going to get drunk off into a head coaching job? Absolutely. I, I think it's almost a lock that he ends up being one of the, if not the top candidate by the end of this year. Um, the, the Titans have a top top five offense right now. Um, and, and offensive coordinators that are play callers for top five offenses get whatever job they want. So I, I think Arthur Smith, enjoy him while he's here because he's probably not going to be here long. We, we may get one more year out of him. Eric Bieniemy, you know, still has not gotten a head coaching job, and, he, and Andy Reid just signed that extension. I would not be surprised if maybe Art Smith is one more year. I'm not surprised either way, but he could be one more year just because there is going to be someone like Eric Bieniemy. And we always know that Josh McDaniels gets a little bit of information or a little bit of consideration here and there. I, I it, we we could get one more year if just the right dominoes fall. Well, I mean, wherever he goes, he's going to have to definitely stand in line behind Adam Gase, who is probably going to get another head coaching job, despite the fact that he's literally tearing the Jets apart at the seams. What an absolute joke he that wants team to is. Peyton Manning, though. <laughs> this next part is one of my favorite things to do. I know Mike enjoys it. Pulling off overreactions on Twitter from either pregame or during the game as Titans fans proceed to melt down like most NFL fans do on Twitter. What's funny to me, especially with some of these tweets we're going to get into, the number of people that some of these tweets will tag. So I'm going to get right into it. Um, at Mester Jalen 7 tweeted to Mike, we going to blow this. Um, at K Taylor, 1288 tweets to Mike. These are all to Mike, by the way, getting outplayed and outcoached. That one makes me laugh at Murph, the great And, and one. that was when they were, the Titans were up 30 to 17 when I got that one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> getting this outplayed and outcoached. Hey, maybe he's just delayed. This next one is one of my favorites <laughs> at Murph, the great one. Jags gonna win this game, and games like these are why nobody takes us seriously nationally. No, Second just half- us serious nationally. You got to read it how they typed it. <laughs> it's great. Us <laughs> serious nationally. Second half destruction and back to the drawing board. No DC is gonna kill this team. Now, this is the important part. He tags Lombardi, Mike Miracles, Justin M at underscore NFL at, at uh, us at Broadway Sports Media. Um, Lomas, Buck Rising, and then a bunch of other just jokes out here. This, this, except for Toronto. Toronto's not a joke. No, Toronto's not a joke. <laughs> this tweet has more tags in it than it actually has discussion. There is no discussion here. It's a complete joke. Last tweet from Josh Warner, 13. This defense is a joke with Bayard out there. Who cares? Titans will have to score 40 to win, and that's embarrassing for a defensive, quote-unquote defensive head coach who can't call a defense. Mike, help us clean up this dump truck I just dumped out on your driveway. You know, it's, it's funny, and I, I wanted to do this because I get these every single game, regardless. Like, the Denver game, I mean, the season was already over, uh, according to some of the people in my mentions uh, within the first you know, half 
of the first game. Um, but the yeah, overreaction Titans Twitter is, is always hilarious. And I get it. You know, you get emotional about these games and fans are fanatics and, and everything like that. But guys, just slow down a little bit. The football games have ups and downs. No team has ever gone, you know, 19 and 0 without ever trailing a game and, you know, never, never giving up a touchdown. So um, you're going to, we're going 19 and 0 is what I heard. All right, right, yeah, nineteen and zero, and that's the last touchdown the Titans will allow this season. Um, but no, it's it's craziness. <laughs> Some of this stuff is madness. Like, just just slow down, take a breath. You don't have to yell into the void every time you're mad about whatever the Titans just did. And it's not over. the The season isn't over every time they give up a touchdown. Just yell at your dog. That's what I do. I just look at Huxley and I go, "What is Mike Vrabel thinking?" Huxley. What is Mike Vrabel thinking? Is that the play we're going to call is, Huxley? I mean, we, we talk, but, I mean, I just yell. What does Huxley think? Uh, Huxley thought that the defense played a little rough. Why, why would you do that? Why would you, why, would you talk, why would you talk to that poor little chicken nugget that way? He doesn't deserve that. So, look, I, I'm going to sum it up like this. Your Titans are 2-0. and oh. The Titans are 2-0, and oh, and the offense looks competent. That is not something you could have said for the last few years. There were moments when Mariota looked so bad that he just felt like it was bringing the entire team down and this team had no hope. So it, it, enjoy the fact that the team put up 33 points against a Jags team that actually looks like they might have it a little bit together. So relax, take a deep breath. It's time to go into week three. It's at Minnesota. And once I read this next list to you, you're going to understand just how good the Titans have it right now because knock on wood, this is a pretty bad NFL injury list. Just before you do that, though, I just want to say to your point that you just made was that this team, yes, it looks – it has fallen behind in certain parts of the game, but they rally back, right? That's a a little bit different than Titans. This is not your Titans team of the past. There's no need to overreact. And let me say something. It, it doesn't look as bad as what your box score or what you're initially seeing. I feel like the initial reaction of what you're seeing is always worse than what it actually is. It's really not a team that I'm too concerned about. There's not one thing I'm really concerned about for the long haul. Okay, so let's discuss basically the red wedding of NFL Sundays. This was the most amount of injuries, especially serious injuries, I can remember ever seeing in the NFL. There may have been a worst out there, but I can't find one. Let me quickly jam through these, and we will discuss a couple of them. And I'll just try to get through this as quick as I can because it is a lot of them. Nick Bosa, um, San Francisco, torn ACLs out for the season. Raheem Mosert, San Francisco, sprained MCLs out for maybe multiple weeks, at least week to week. Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain week to week. Saquon Barkley, New York Giants, torn ACL, he's out for the season. Christian McCaffrey, high ankle sprain, is out several weeks. That's a high ankle sprain on a running back and a big running back. That's that's going to be a problem. Drew Locke, quarterback, Broncos, sprained AC joint two to six weeks because that's what you want in a quarterback is a sprained AC joint. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, torn ACL out for the season. Malik and Cooker. MCL. He tore oh. both. <laughs> oh, my God. He completely tore his knee up. Malik Hooker, Colts, torn Achilles out for the season, and he may be done. The Colts may not come back. Paris Campbell, wide receiver. We don't quite know how serious his injury is. I've seen reports of involving his MCL, PCL, so we don't know yet, but it's at least going to be multiple weeks. And Marlon Mack, of course, was out with, uh, you know, for the season with an Achilles. Just that list alone is so crazy. San Francisco absolutely just got – 
annihilated with injuries and still beat the Jets, if you need to know how great Adam Gase is. But at the same time, I kind of want to start with Saquon Barkley. And I don't have the tweet in front of me, but someone tweeted out that this is the third MCL, third torn-up knee from that stadium. And I'm blanking on the giant stadium name right now uh, from MetLife. MetLife. This is the third torn knee on in MetLife already this season? Yeah, something like that. And even um, Golden Tate even came out and said that there's nothing wrong at the MetLife field. But, I mean, I I don't know. I I saw the initial play where he actually tweaked his uh, legs. We all thought he was going to be out after that, Uh, everybody that was watching it. And then, like, one or two plays later, there he is, and he hurt it even worse. That was probably they probably shouldn't have just trotted him back out there at that point in the game. But this Giants team, I wasn't big on Saquon Barkley under Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett is a, pre- a predictable play caller for fantasy purposes, obviously. Uh, so I wasn't too you know crazy about him. But this this is this is a this is rough for him. I mean, like tearing that ACL. I mean, we've seen running backs come back. We saw Adrian Peterson. It happened to him. So it's not total over, but it's over for this team this year. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it's 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 just sad to see like all these seasons ending and a lot of really good players. Because I mean, these are the guys that you want to watch on Sundays, right? I mean, if if you've got a if you've got to turn on a Giants game, because I'm pretty sure the Giants have some more primetime games later this season. Watching them, you want to see Saquon Barkley and see what he's going to do. I mean, sure. It's not always been great from him, but he, you know he's capable of the spectacular at any given moment. Um, you know, Nick Bosa, you were excited to see him kind of turn the corner, become one of the NFL's best pass rushers, that kind of thing. So just from a football fan point of view, it was a really sad Sunday. Um, a lot of guys that I enjoy watching um, out for the year. But, uh, you know, I think I, – I don't know if it's a – lack of training, lack of preseason um, issue, or if it's just a freak thing, but um, definitely something to keep an eye on because yeah, it's, it's tough to see that. Um, and you hope it gets better as the season goes on um, as these guys do get into better shape. No, certainly. I mean, again, the most, one of the most brutal days I can remember for NFL injuries. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of it has to just probably be chalked up to just that's it's bad luck and that there's just sometimes it's the roll of the dice and the way the dice lay. Maybe some of it can be attributed to the fact that there was not really a great off season, no preseason, that sort of thing. But a lot of bad injuries there. And actually, the list I was going to go through was a list that a credit credit to Reddit had compiled together of the total number of names that had come out of games I actually even went in and removed the names of players that came back and played. It was something like 43 total players ended up not playing the entire game, including the injuries I listed. That was just from the early games. There was an additional 10 from the late games. Um, But that list I went through some pretty significant injuries. So, you know – for 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 Titans fans that want to go crazy, you easily could have ended up having somebody on that list. So again, knock on wood, no no you know no bad luck to be passed to our team. But you gotta be thankful that one of your players wasn't on that list. Um, all right, so we're you know we're halfway through the segment. I definitely want to get into uh, Titans at Minnesota. Um, Mike, 
threats posed by Minnesota's or anything in particular you're looking at that Minnesota does well that they could do well against the Titans defense? You know, to be honest, the Vikings haven't done very much well so far this season. They got <laughs> uh, thoroughly trounced by Green Bay. The The final score of that game is not nearly uh, reflective of how that game went. I think Green Bay was up 29 to 10 uh, at one point, and then Minnesota kind of threw in some garbage points late to make it look a little bit better. Uh, and then they got trounced by – Indy, what was it, 28, 28 to 11. So they've basically been down 28 to 11 and 29 to 10 uh, in these first two weeks. Kirk Cousins looked absolutely abysmal against the Colts. And, and that's a Colts team that was without one of their starting corners in Rocky Sin, who left the game with some sort of stomach illness or something uh, just before the game. So they had Xavier Rhodes and not a whole lot else. And Xavier Rhodes is awful. Um, so I have no idea how Kirk Cousins played that poorly. But um, obviously Thielen is, is a really good wide receiver. He'd be, uh, you know, at the top of my list alongside Dalvin Cook. Um, you don't want to see either of those guys get going. But but frankly, that's about it that you'd be worried about. Anthony Barr uh, was lost for the season. We didn't, we didn't mention him in that list, but he had a torn pectoral uh, on Sunday and is done, uh, Pro Bowl linebacker. And then Daniel Hunter, uh, their um, star pass rusher, is also out. So you've got uh, Harrison Smith, the, the excellent all-pro safety, and then you've got uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who, of course, just came over from Jacksonville, who the Titans are very familiar with. It's really the threats on defense. There's not a whole lot there. This isn't a very good Vikings team. Yeah, I, I disagree that's not a very good Vikings team, and, and I will throw some information back at your face where you said that Mike Zimmer is a great coach, blah, 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 blah. On paper, this roster is still a very good roster. We just did our power rankings, and it was me and another guy only put them inside the top 20. It's like one game, and everybody wants to just drop them all the way down. This is still a two relatively games. good uh, two games. Relatively good roster still. This would still be a quality win because we know that this team has still got the pieces. Kirk Cousins good. You got Adam Thielen, you got Dalvin Cook, you got a, a, a pretty good defense in other areas besides corner. I think we'll win, and I think it will be a pretty decisive win, but I, don't, I think it's still going to be a quality win because Mike Zimmer's a great coach, according to Mike. Oh, Mike Zimmer's so good, blah, 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 blah. And look at what he's 0-2 right now. So I just want to throw that back in your face real quick. Um, but are you, are you yeah. saying they're good or are you saying they're bad? <laughs> I I am just saying that it's a quality win. That it, it's not some pushover I, I would win. I agree with that. And and in, I any, don't any believe in Mike Zimmer. In the NFL is yeah. good. I don't believe in Mike Zimmer, but I still believe that this team on paper is a good team despite its coach. <laughs> so any well, Zach, in the NFL is a good win. While Zach hangs up and listens, speaking of good wins. Uh, the Titans have the chance to go 3-0, and and, it, and I was trying to look it up, and I think I'm correct on this. This would be their first 3-0 and start since 2008. Um, what does it mean to go 3-0? and 
Means a lot, and especially with the Texans playing the Steelers, they should lose that game again. Jags should beat the Dolphins, and the Colts should beat the Jets. So we need this win to stay on top of the division and keep a steady lead in the division. So I think it would say a lot. The Jags aren't as bad as everybody thought. Obviously, we caught Denver at a really bad time, and we don't really know what kind of Minnesota team we're going to see on Sunday. So I think it's still a good 3-0, and a quality 3-0, and and I think it puts us in a lot better position than what a lot of people had us at the start. A lot of people thought maybe we'd be like 2-2 two and two out of these first four games. Yeah, I think 3-0 and o would be huge. 75% of 3-0 and o teams have gone on to make the playoffs uh, since the NFL went to their current – or to their the previous playoff format. The new playoff format this year, obviously seven teams – getting in that number is going to be even higher so if you go three and oh to start the season you're going to have something like a 80 plus percent chance of making the playoffs so uh that puts you at a huge advantage if you can open up a three game lead over uh houston um that's that's obviously massive i think the the colts are definitely going to beat the jets uh and the uh dolphins and jaguars uh, you know who knows how that could go but there's a pretty good chance that both jacksonville and indy are two and one after this weekend. So staying a game ahead of them, I think would be important. So this, this is definitely a big game and it's a big opportunity because there's some tougher games coming up. They do have the Steelers. They do have the Ravens. Uh, they do have green Bay. All three of those teams look tough uh, still remaining on the schedule down the stretch. So um, you want to stack the wins while you can, and you're catching uh, Minnesota at a good time. So take advantage of it. Tennessee at Minnesota, noon on CBS. It is noon central on CBS. Obviously looking forward to that one. Gentlemen, that's going to do it for us today. Remember, join us over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. For Mike Herndon, Mike Miracles, for Zach and myself, Mr. Lebowski, you have been effed. A Broadway Sports Media production.